Genesis chapter 3, um, starting verse 20 and 21. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin, of skins, and clothed them. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. We thank you um, for how powerful your word is. And Lord, as, as we have gathered together as your children, we just thank you that you have made us your children. How great is the love of the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And so, Lord, as, as we've come together, we come to you. And Father, I pray that in a mighty way that you will speak to each of our hearts. Lord, I just acknowledge my weakness. But as the Apostle Paul said, I boast all the more in my weaknesses because when I am weak, then you are strong. And so, Lord, in in your strength, we just ask you to do mighty work in our presence. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the book of Zechariah, The second to the last book of the Old Testament, we are given an incredible vision. Zechariah chapter 3. A vision that was given to Zechariah and that we get a peek into. Zechariah 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not is not this a brand plucked from the fire? 
Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. What an incredible vision this is. Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan there to accuse him. And as he stands before the Lord, he is in filthy rags. Filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments or with pure garments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments as the angel of the Lord was standing by. This is a picture of atonement. The Hebrew term, the Hebrew word kippur, or kafar, which is the term for atonement, means to cover. To cover. Or to purge, to make reconciliation. And what we are so clearly given an insight into as we read here in Zechariah is that we have a God who is in the business of making atonement. Of taking away the old filthy rags of one's sin and replacing them with new and pure and beautiful garments. That is what we see happening here in Genesis 3. In the very beginning of time, we are introduced to a God who provides for mankind's atonement. For mankind to be covered. For for the nakedness and the shame that is the result of sin to be taken away and covered and to be made at one with himself again. And we see that so clearly here in Genesis chapter 3. We just read two verses, but they are so powerful. Genesis 3, verse 20, it says this, The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. 
Remember in the context, we are talking about just after the Lord has pronounced the curse upon the serpent and the curse upon the the ground, as well as the judgment upon the man and the woman. The Lord had made a promise that one day the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And last week, Mr. Jerry shared that incredible promise with us. And so now in verse 20, for Adam to call Eve the mother of all the living, it shows that he had responded in faith to the promise that the Lord had just made. See, Adam didn't have to hear the Lord talk to the serpent. But he did. And in hearing the Lord talk to the serpent, he heard the Lord make a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that the seed of the woman would bring life. And in faith, he then says, the name of my wife shall be Eve, which means the mother of all living. But then in verse 21 And this brings us to the main point that we already highlighted, that we already noted from Zechariah, is this. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments. Garments. Garments of skins. And clothed them. The truth that is highlighted to us in the book of Zechariah is highlighted for us here in the very beginning of the Bible that the Lord is the one who provides atonement. The Lord is the one who provides covering for sin and for shame and the results of sin. The Lord is the one. And just as Adam trusted in God's promise, our response is to be complete and total trust in the atonement that the Lord has provided, not just for them, but for us. Firstly, I want us to consider that the Lord provides atonement when man's attempt attempts fall short. The Lord provides atonement when man's attempts fall short. Acknowledge your shortcomings and trust His provision. But then secondly, the Lord provides atonement or covering or making reconciliation through the shedding of blood. Acknowledge Christ's shed blood And trust his provision. First of all, the Lord provides atonement when man's attempts for atonement or for covering fall short. In verse 7 of Genesis chapter 3, it says this. After they had sinned and they had given into the temptation of the serpent... Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. They experienced the shame of their nakedness 
as a result of their sin and their guilt against the Lord. And so what did they do? It says they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. See, because of their sin, they understood that there was a separation between them and their fellowship with God. They experienced the guilt of disobeying and not trusting what God had said. And it led to a separation and a break in their fellowship. And they were ashamed. They were ashamed before God, so they hid and they were afraid. But they were also ashamed before one another, so they had to try to hide their private parts. And they did what they could do. They went and found a fig tree. And got the leaves from the fig tree. And isn't it incredible how the Lord specifies that they were fig leaves? This is an interesting theme to follow throughout Scripture because time and time again, fig leaves and fig trees come up. And in a real sense, every time it's speaking of fig leaves, it highlights and it represents man's attempt to be made right with God again. Man's attempt... To be at one with God. One commentator says this. The fig leaves were man's attempt to fix his condition of nakedness. In general, the fig tree is a type of religion apart from God. And is most often applied to religious Israel. You can see that in Luke chapter 13 verse 6 through 9. And then this is very interesting. A fig tree was the only thing that the Lord directly cursed during his first advent. During his first time here on the earth, the only thing that he directly cursed was a fig tree. It withered up immediately. How God hates the traditions of men and the doctrines of demons. So we're introduced in the very first pages of scripture that once sin entered into the world, religion entered into the world as well. Mankind's attempt to cover themselves, to make atonement. Mankind's attempt to be made one with God again, to have fellowship with Him, to have forgiveness, to have cleansing, to have the shame taken away. And this continues on till this day. Probably the largest religion in the world is Islam. There's 1.9 billion adherents to Islam. That's a lot of people. It makes up about 24% of the world. And as you study Islam and you study about the five pillars... 
The whole religion is based upon this presupposition that there is a God and he is angry with you because of your sin. So you must work as hard as you can to hopefully be accepted by him. And even with that being the case, there's no guarantee that you will enter into paradise. The closest thing to a guarantee that one can receive in strict Islam is if they're a suicide bomber. That's why this last week in Afghanistan, the Taliban publicly celebrated the lives of those suicide bombers and their families. And there's this strict religious performance out of a desire for atonement. Out of a desire for covering. Out of a desire for all of the shame of sin to be taken care of. All of the guilt of sin. All of the fear that results because of not trusting in God to be taken care of. Mankind's attempt... Sewing the fig leaves together to cover. Take Hinduism. 1.1 billion people in the world adhere to Hinduism. Once again, within the religion of Hinduism, it's all based upon mankind's work and what they do in order to hopefully reach nirvana. To hopefully get to this place of complete peace, complete ecstasy to finally make it. But it's all based upon works. Same is true in Buddhism. And same is true within every religious system. And if we're honest, in our own lives... We, naturally, by default, go to that same kind of mode. We acknowledge that there's a one true and holy God, and we acknowledge that we're sinners, but we, somehow in our minds, think that if we're good enough, maybe it will cover for the bad that we have done. Maybe it will make atonement. Maybe it will make it so that we can be one with God again and have fellowship with Him and be accepted by Him. But the problem with that is, it's just like Adam and Eve trying to take fig leaves and sew them together and cover. The Holy Spirit through Isaiah says this, in Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. A polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf. Once again, we see a, the leaf and the garment. Our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment and we all fade like a leaf. 
It's temporary. Whatever we do to try to make atonement for ourselves, to cover our sin, to cover our shame, it's temporary. And it's polluted. And our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Just like Adam and Eve, they needed new clothes. Just like Joshua, the high priest in Zechariah 3, he needed new clothes. He needed new garments. We need different clothes than the ones that we try to sew together through our good deeds. And there's a certain sense in which when we first come to Jesus, we come and say, Lord, take away my, new, my old clothes and give me new ones. But then what can happen in our life is, once we have trusted in Christ and received His righteousness, day by day we can fall back into that same lie and that same deception that tells us we need to work in order to be made one with God, in order to be covered for our sin, that we need to do enough so that maybe God will accept us. The moment that our life becomes motivated by fear of God's judgment and His disapproval is the moment we buy into the lie that we can do something to make atonement for ourselves. When we rest in the righteous garments that He has given us through Jesus. When we look to Him, when we receive that, we can rest And His love then motivates our life. At the beginning of the service we read Isaiah 61. And in verse 10 it says this. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. He is the one who provides the garments. For our atonement. For our covering. See it's the Lord who provides atonement. Trust his provision. He provides it when our attempts fall short. Acknowledge your shortcomings to Him. And trust in His provision. Trust in His his righteousness that He has provided for us. Just as Jerry mentioned last week in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made Him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. It's His righteousness. Just like... For Joshua, the high priest, he was, his old garments were taken off and he was given new, clean garments. But not only does the Lord provide atonement when man's attempts fall short, the Lord provides atonement through the shedding of blood. Acknowledge Christ shed blood and trust his provision. Isn't it incredible to consider how the Lord provided clothes for Adam and Eve? 
If, if the Lord would have wanted to, he could have gone and he could have got cotton and he could have made it into the, the, the best cotton that anyone could ever imagine and he could have made a robe from this beautiful white cotton and said, here, take off your, your fig leaf loincloths. Here, wear this. Or if he wanted to, he could have made the most wonderful, handsome, most expensive looking suit that anyone could imagine. Say, here you go. The the most wonderful dress. But that's not what our Lord chose. The, The Lord didn't choose to make atonement by anything else except for by something that had to die. See, you can't get the skins off of an animal if the animal is still alive. Pretty simple. Blood had to be shed. And, and, and here at the very beginning of time, when we think about the history of the world and we think about all of the sacrifices that have been made throughout the thousands and thousands of years that we have been on this earth, the first sacrifice the first blood sacrifice was made and introduced by none other than God himself. Yahweh, the one true and living God. And through this, he is, was proclaiming a powerful truth to Adam and Eve. That the only way that your sin can be dealt with is when blood is shed. The only way that your shame can be dealt with and taken away is when blood is shed. And we see this happening all throughout the history of Israel and all throughout Scripture. If you have time later on today, I would encourage you to go and to read the book of Leviticus chapter 16. Because there was one day in the year when the nation of Israel would come together and it was called Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the blood of the goat was shed. And there was two goats. One goat, his, his neck was cut, his throat was cut, and blood was shed. And the other goat was symbolically, the hands of the priest was laid on that goat, and the goat went off into the desert, signifying him taking away the guilt and the shame of the people of Israel in a symbolic way. But that sacrifice that had to be made (laughs) 
The whole idea of blood being shed was introduced by God himself in the garden. There's good news for us today. Because there was a perfect and a final sacrifice that was made on behalf of all mankind. I want you to listen with me to Hebrews chapter 9. first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness for a tent was prepared the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence it is called the holy place behind the second curtain there was a second section called the most holy place having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden ark of the covenant a uh, golden urn holding the manna, and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations have thus been made. The priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes and he but once a year. On the day of atonement, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened, as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, Then, through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant for where a will is involved the death of the one who made it must be established for a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive 
Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet, wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into His holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer Himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not His own. For then we would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all. At the end of the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him that's good news amen hi Jim but his blood was shed once for all. Don't you love what it said? Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. It's what we're talking about here in Genesis 3, the foundation of the world. When sacrifice was introduced by God himself. The blood sacrifice of an animal to provide covering. To provide atonement. To provide forgiveness. To provide fellowship once again with God Almighty. Jesus. His blood that was shed was perfect blood. And it provided the perfect atonement, the perfect covering that we need for our sin. So, each one, if you have never surrendered your old 
clothes, fig leaves of your own righteousness, your own goodness, and gave them up and received the gift of the pure garments that the Lord provides. If you have never been forgiven of your sin, if you have never received cleansing from your sin and your shame from your sin taken away and the fear that comes from death because of sin taken away, today, look to Jesus. He died on the cross for you. His blood was shed for you. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And he shed his blood so that you can be forgiven. Look to him, trust him. For those of us who have trusted him, why so often do we allow fear to run our lives? Why, why do we act out of fear of being accused by God? What, why do we act out of shame? Why do we struggle with a guilty conscience? Why do we still try to perform so that God may be pleased with us? In the very beginning, in the garden... The Lord provided atonement. And He has provided atonement for us. To to be at one with Him. To be cleansed. To have our shame taken away. To have our fear taken away. To have our guilt completely dealt with. Look to Him. He, He provided through the shed blood. In the garden, it was the the blood of these animals that that brought about the atonement. And as we just read in Hebrews 9, for us today, the perfect shed blood of our Lord Jesus. Daily, look to Him. Daily, remind yourself of the gospel, the good news of how Jesus' blood was shed. And trust in Him. The Lord provides atonement. Trust his provision. And as Joshua the high priest received the new garments of righteousness, rest in the garments of righteousness that the Lord has provided through our Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that in our hearts and in our lives we will respond in faith and trust and in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.